0: All right, welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we're gonna to talk to Bill Schwartz with Slammer Tackle and we're gonna talk about early season muskies in Southern Wisconsin. In my free time, carry I was bored and I uh, went out and I polled every single muskie angler that I could find in every single state. And I found out that 22.9% of muskie anglers find that this weekend is their favorite weekend to be on the water. And if you believe any of that, I got some really great property from you to sell you in some swamp, but this past weekend? No, like this weekend. This weekend coming up, the one that we're talking about right now, musky oh. musky opener in southern Wisconsin.
1: Oh, okay. I'm thinking we might still have ice. Why would they <laughs> want to? Clear it
0: up? No,
1: actually, it should be ice free now. I'm hoping. Think- Crossing fingers that we're ice free. It's been super, super windy the last couple days, and they looked pretty terrible on Saturday. So. I'm hoping that they're open now.
0: Absolutely. For anybody that's curious, Carrie is on here doing an intro with me because Brad's off fishing. He's filming some stuff for, uh, we'll we'll say it was like 2024. Yeah, that's 2023. So it'd be the 2024 season of Mayhem's 10,000 casts.
1: Yep. Yep. So, so far so good. They ran into a few snags and had some decent fishing. I wouldn't say it's great, but decent so sure you guys can see next fall next winter is it to be right
0: yeah winter unfortunately let's not talk about that anymore although no. it feels like winter to me today it's, it's snowing crazy. in uh, may 1st that's what it is it's may 1st we're recording this and it's officially snowing today so um, i mean but <laughs> i don't usually put the shovels away until about now because this is what happens i live in wisconsin i've been here my entire life i know how this goes
1: yep Well, I mean, think about it. How many times do we get snow Memorial weekend?
0: Well, usually in Wisconsin, we don't get that, but you live in the Arctic tundra. So you guys probably do.
1: We do once in a while get snow, not measurable, but you can definitely see that it's snowing.
0: Speaking of, do you guys have a bunch on the ground yet or is that mostly gone now?
1: It's mostly gone. Uh, It's just where the big piles were is what's left in my yard anyway. Um but the vast majority of it's gone. Like I said, I'm hoping today, um, like, the lakes around the house here are open. I don't know if, like, the bigger lakes will be. I heard uh, yesterday that, like, Leech Lake is still pretty locked up and like that. So, but they're, they're still two hours, two and a half hours north of us, so.
0: Well, cause you guys have your general fishing opener. They call it the walleye opener. What not this weekend, but next weekend, is it? Uh,
1: the th- I think it's the 13th. Yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah, it'll be next, next week, Saturday, I believe it'd be for you guys. So hopefully you'll have everything opened up for then. I know that, uh, yeah, we, it's Northern...
1: actually nice here this week. So
0: well, that's good. Cause it's not nice here, but, um, although I, I did see it's supposed to, you know, warm up here as we move on. So hopefully it helps uh, stabilize things and. And anglers in the southern Wisconsin zone, you know, is that south of Highway 10, they can get out and, and chase some muskies around, and it won't be long, and they'll be doing it in northern Wisconsin, and then shortly after that, they'll be doing it in Minnesota, and next thing you know, it'll be Canada, and everybody will be musky fishing, and then we'll all be happy, right? That's kind of how that works? Yep.
1: That'll, that's kind of how I, what I'm impatiently waiting for.
0: Right. So, what's going on with Musky mayhem tackle? I'll give you a couple minutes to, uh, you know, talk about that if you need it.
1: Just the usual building baits, shipping baits. Um, we got a few things that we're impatiently waiting for the season open so we can go out and play with, of course. But other than that, it's not super exciting around here, thankfully, since I literally am the only one working here the next few days, weeks.
0: Yeah, when is Brad coming back anyways?
1: I have no idea. He asked me when he had to be back, and I said, I'm doing fine. So he um, has some goals on what he wants to accomplish while he's out there. Plus, it's like a ridiculously long drive that he's not superly really fond of. So he's going to stay till he gets his work done, I believe.
0: All right. Well, that's nice. I think I need to get a carrier on the shop or just have my wife quit her regular job. That'd be really nice, too.
1: Uh, that does make a difference. But, I mean, it doesn't always work like that he was he had stuff in the shop very very well prepared for me so i just have to grab and go and things like that so it hasn't been hasn't been too bad that's if it got real bad, i'd probably call him and say hey you need to get back here i can't do this anymore but so far so good
0: that's good and if people are looking to uh find some musky mayhem tackle products carry where can they do that
1: uh, you can go to Team Rhino Outdoors. You can go to many, many other retailers, and you can go to directly to us at muskymayhamtackle.com. dot com.
0: And speaking of Team Rhino Outdoors, if you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventures, you can check us out as well. And we will have some new products from or new colors from Musky Mayhem Tackle as well. Uh, hopefully, by the time you hear this podcast, I'll have them up because Carrie shipped me. All of the new Keys Outdoors exclusive colors, the stuff that he's going to be filming with for the, for the, what will be 24, the 2024 season, but he's filming with it right now. You know, so Keys has got all that stuff in hand and you'll have it on our website here shortly. If you're looking for, I think we did it in Triggers and Detonators and Junior Cowgirls and Showgirls and what else do we do? 10-9 Combos. There's ton, there's tons of baits here, Carrie. Lots of new, lots of new colors. Yeah.
1: And the colors turned out really cool. I was, I was happy with them. So Mike seemed really happy with them. Sent me a message the other day that he loved them. Good so,
0: thing. so yeah, if you're looking for those and plenty more, I know we've recently added, uh, the Kodiak line of glide baits and Navins and we've added uh rig boss, which has been seen on you know Mayhem's 10,000 casts. So Chase has got me hooked up with them as far as, you know, getting some baits from them. So if you're looking for any of that stuff, check out team Rhino and Carrie, And unless you have anything else to add to this intro, I think I'm just going to dial up the conversation I had with Bill Schwartz from Slammer Tackle.
1: Sounds great.
0: All right. My guest this week is Bill Schwartz with Slammer Tackle. Bill, we've never had you on the podcast before, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule. You know, we're going to be talking early season muskie fishing, but quite honestly, with the weather that we're having on this Monday morning, it actually feels like we should be getting ready to go to a muskie show. The, The snow is flying over here by me about you know 32 degrees it's a beautiful may 1st day just what you're looking for on may 1st isn't
2: it oh geez yeah hey well jeff thanks for having me on but yeah you you, you didn't know if it would be uh you know mid-october or or you know a week before the opener down here we're, we're getting the same stuff cold rain and wind and just opposite what i want for for opening day
0: so all right, so we're talking opening day. I'm assuming you've been on the water because I know how you are. You you get up early in the morning. I mean, you'll send me pictures at five o'clock in the morning when I'm sleeping, of uh, stuff you got working on, and then you'll so get your work done, and then you'll go out on the water. Or sometimes it's in the fishing season, you do it the opposite, right? You get on the water early, and then you go make baits in the afternoon.
2: Yeah, I'm a I'm an early guy. Uh, just for whatever reason, my body's programmed to get up early, so you usually out there before the sun gets up, and you know, depending upon the workload and the, the fishing how late I stay, but you know, a lot of guys like that afternoon bite. Usually I'm getting pretty tired around seven, thirty, eight o'clock at night, so it's just kind of the, the routine I'm in. So yeah, I, I'm a kind of an early morning guy and you know, spring's a little different though. Uh, spring the main thing, you know, early in the year I really like a warming trend. So this is this is just not what I want for the week leading up to the opener i I was out last week friday and i had water temps anywhere from 49 to 52 depending where i was so these fish are probably right in the spawn and that's never good that that makes it can make it for a very tough bite and so you know the main thing what i do when i get on the water early in the year is i want to try to figure out what, what are these fish doing because the spawn is going to dictate everything. It's going to dictate where we fish. It's going to dictate what we're using for lures, and so on and so forth. So, kind of taking a you know step back when I get on the water, I might get out like Thursday or Friday and just put around a little bit and try some for some panfish again. But I kind of want to see where we're at as far as where the muskies are at and what they're doing. And you know, with this cold week leading up to the weekend, I got to think they're still going to be in that that you know right around spawn and and that that can be a challenge
0: all right so let's talk about that well first let's back up a second let's talk about your company so bill you've been around for what to 30 years probably for slammer tackle
2: well i started i started making baits in about you know mid mid 80s and kind of about 1989 is when i started selling baits to dealers tackle dealers and shops and stuff like that they're originally made out of wood uh, There's always been a through-wire uh, wood bait. Uh, first bait we made was our 8-inch our minnow, and then we went to a 7-inch minnow, and that kind of got the ball rolling. In 2007, we switched over from wood to plastic, and we went solid plastic. We, you know, My wife and I talked about it and what which way do we want to go here if we go to plastic, and we wanted the durability of a solid plastic bait. I didn't want to have to deal with you know baits cracking and, and leaking and filling up with water. So we want a solid plastic bait where the wire is actually molded internally into the bait. So it's really durable, uh, super strong, and really consistent. We've got some nice consistent, you know, a lot more consistency than wood. So that's been from 2007 on. Uh, right now we've got baits anywhere from we've got 15 models from so anywhere from four inches up to 14 inches, and from deep divers to. Shallow running minnow baits and our, our kind of our bread and butter is, is our shallow running minnow baits or twitch baits.
0: You know, Bill, I got to ask you why? Why did you get into you know making musky baits? Like, what what was it about it? Because then back when you started, I can't imagine. I mean, it's obviously grown a lot, but I can't imagine it was a super profitable thing. You know, like wh- what made you get into it?
2: You know, I've I've always been. You know, my background is tool and die. I've always been enjoyed making stuff and working on stuff and that's kind of how I you know I used to make jigs when I was a walleye guy and then I got into muskie fishing and started tying up some bucktails and started making some you know wooden lures and and stuff so on and so forth so I've always been kind of that guy that likes to tinker with stuff and make stuff and try different things and uh that's kind of how I got into it and um you know I guess you'd say the rest is history right
0: Yeah, well, it's obviously been a successful brand in muskie, you know, fishing. I know we sell a ton of them every single year. You know, Bill, the one thing I've said to you a million times is in, you know, muskie fishing, and this is no surprise, like the prices of baits continue to rise, but yours continue to stay, I say, you know, reasonably priced. But, you know, sometimes that reasonable price, people think, oh, this bait must not be that great or whatever, but your stuff lasts forever, you know? I mean, I've seen baits that you have in your own tackle box and you know they're the only way that, that you stop running them is when the hook rash literally just about slices the bait in half i mean you can have it for 15 years almost like it's crazy the quality that you have and it's unbelievable that you've been able to keep your price so affordable to musky anglers
2: you know jeff that's been a challenge you know we, we want to be competitive in the price market in the muskie world so you know we, we're working on really tight margins and our, our biggest thing is is i'm not painting one bait at a time I think some of these baits that are painted out there are incredible. You know, there's some that are taxidermy quality, and I think that looks great in a tackle box or looks great hanging on the wall. As far as um, fish catching, uh, and, and you're probably asking the wrong guy here because I'm I'm a basic color guy. I mean, I, I love some of the colors we do for you, uh, but still, my standard sucker, which is just black with gold glitter, or my standard perch. Or walleye are, are really my go-to baits, and um, so where where we can keep our cost down is is the painting volume. You know, I, I don't paint one bait at a time. I'm usually painting four or five dozen at a time of the same color, and it just you know so I can. It takes me a minute, minute and a half to paint a bait. When you look at it, as I'm painting sixty baits. I can do that in, a, you know, an hour, you know, from 45 minutes to an hour and a half or an hour, 15 minutes. So, so that's where, I, you know, a big cost is. And a lot of it's just experience, too. I've been doing this a long time, so I've gotten pretty good at painting baits, I guess, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and I would say, you know, Bill, you've always been one. We've been dealing with each other back and forth forever. I used to have you paint up like custom baits for the sportsmen because you didn't, you don't do, you know, um, individual requests. So I would, I would deal with them, and I would say, hey, get this from Bill. And then eventually, I would just start sending you pictures of what I wanted you to send them, basically. So I would have them order it, but then I would have you say, here, this is what you want. You know, your painting is, like, sure, it's not up to the standards of some of these hundred and forty dollar baits, but for what we'll call you production paint. I mean, I think you do a really, really great job, and I think you've only gotten better in the
2: last probably, you know, four or five years. Well, you've been pushing me to get better, so, you know, kind of evolve into <laughs> that. And, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're, we're always trying to come up with new colors, uh, new, you know, something that, that not only is a gimmick thing. I mean, a lot of these colors, Jeff, that I do for you, I, I, I throw before I even show you. As a matter of fact, we go back to white walleye, you know, and I remember coming back from a trip from Canada and calling you saying, Jeff, you got to come out with this color for your, you know, in slammer and it's a, it's a glittery white walleye, and it's just been, it's just been a, a fish catching machine for us over the last five, six, seven years. And last year we did the electric colors, and you know, as nice as they look, but but you know, it's one of these colors that the fish really like down by us. And and I've got some friends up in Hayward that do really well on them as as well it's just sometimes those fish really like that stuff and so we're not we're not trying to just do gimmick colors and let's just put orange bars on a white bait or, or you know blue bars on a whatever you know so we're trying to come up with colors that not only catch fishermen because that's part of our job as manufacturers and you as a retailer but i also want to have these colors be able to catch fish as well
0: yeah absolutely like you said having all the colors in the world is great but having them that actually put fish in the net that's that's the best right and uh oh, that's good. Yep. you know your buddy you you catch one your buddy's in the boat and he's like hey where'd you get that you know and then it just kind of snowballs down the line next thing you know it's like the next hottest color that's how that kind of works so it's it's always fun to fun to play around with you know bill oh yeah yep let's uh let's you know talk a little bit about early season now and and you know this will tie into your bait company as well because i know that you use a ton of your own stuff let's say what what would be the game plan what i mean you you told me this isn't going to be an ideal opener for you you know what would be the game plan for guys getting out this this uh early season you know in the next couple of days
2: probably the biggest thing you know is take a look back and see where these fish are And i'm kind of guessing they're going to be in that spawn so i have to look at what what am i going to do am i going to try to you know the big females might be really a challenge to catch and it's always going to be a mite here nothing's etched in stone but so with that said do I target the big females or do I kind of just okay we're going to fish around the spawning areas and hopefully catch some of the smaller males and wait till these fish get done spawning and recuperate a little bit so I'll ask myself that and that's going to be driven you know I'll find that out come come Saturday morning uh, main thing I look for this time of year, I want to be adjacent to spawning areas, obviously. And as as the spawn goes on, you know, I'll be fishing right up in the shallow, the shallow marshy areas where these fish are spawn near river inlets or whatever we can find where these fish spawn. But as the season goes on and we get into you know spawn and post spawn and and so and it keeps going, I'll kind of branch out from there. I'll get that that radius around the spawning areas. It'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. And But the main thing I look for this time of the year is, is warm water. And that, that's, that's kind of common knowledge is, is trying, to, trying to find warm water. And, and, and w- what I'm looking for warm water is not that all the fish in the lake are going to be where the warm water is, but the fish that are active, the, those, the fish that are most likely going to be more active will be in that warmer water, whether if it's the west side, the east side, the north side, or the south side of the lake. There's going to be fish around the entire lake. But the ones where that warmer water is, and I'm talking a degree or two, is those are the fish that are going to be more active. And I see it so many times early in the year, where you'll you'll talk, you know, you'll meet up with somebody at the boat launch, and hey, how'd you do? He said, "Geez, we seen eight, but we couldn't catch any." And boy, I, I seen one, but caught two, and that tells me if we keep talking a little more, whatever. I finally, you know, he's been fishing down on the East End, and well, yeah, but we've had. So many bad winds that's going to push that cold water down there. You're fishing fish that are in cold water and they're just not as active. They're following, but they're just not eating. Where I'm fishing is warm water stuff, where I'm not seeing as many fish, but the ones I see, I can get to eat. And so that's kind of my key is, is looking for warm water. You know how I go about that is you know usually obviously the sun. You know, if, you know, the sun's on the southern horizon this time of the year, so. Generally, the north shore is going to be a little bit warmer, but that's not always the case. Uh, what really dictates, in my opinion, where I, I see the warm water, cold water transition is by, by the wind. Um, see what that, where that wind is blowing. If I've got a, uh, let's say a southerly wind blowing from south to north, and the sun goes down Friday night, that water cools over overnight, while well, I wake up Saturday morning, and I still have that same wind, with that water surface water cooling down overnight, it's going to push that cold water over to the north shore. Follow me, mm-hmm. and the warm water is going to be on the south shore. So I'm going to start in the morning on the south shore, and so I, I watch where the waters, where the wind's blowing, the warm water and the cold water, as the sun comes up. Now we have a sunny day. Sun comes up the wind keeps blowing over to the north, eventually that, you know, the sun shining on the north shore and the wind blowing the warm water there, then eventually the warm water going to, the, the north shore is going to start warming up. So I really pay attention to that.
0: Sure. I think it's a good tip though. You know, I think a lot of, it's a lot of anglers here that they want to uh, fish the warmer water, but I think they're out there looking for stuff that's uh, five, six degrees warmer. You know, whereas in this instance, all you're looking for is a, a degree or two to, to yeah. trigger those fish.
2: Well, if I, if I can get five or six degrees, that's more the be- more the better. But sometimes it just won't happen. You know, you you know all week long now I'm going to watch the wind and, and the weather and see see what's happening out there. And with this cold, what with with this cold weather we're having now, and this, the rain and everything, the whole lake's going to be cold. You're not going to have a real distinct warm water, cold water area, and um, you know. So, so it's all look look at that going into the going into opening day. And if I, if I can't find warm water, uh, then, then the next thing is, is my lure presentation. That's going to be key. But generally, when these fish are in this colder water, I'll slow my bait down. I'll, I'll go to a, one of our drop belly gliders or, or a five or a six-incher. The five-incher, I like a very slow rise when I'm twitching it. I'm just using a normal... Heavy action musky rod with, I I got 80 pound braid on all my casting rods. I, I like that 80 pound um, Cortland musky master. And then a hundred pound stealth leader, just a normal fluorocarbon leader. I played around with some of John's, the small bait leaders and they work really nice, but I just, you know, I tie on a hundred pound fluorocarbon and that's what I use for, for my general setup. But when I'm twitching small twitch baits and I like, I like the six incher, our six-inch minnow, our standard minnow, and I like our five-incher. They just been proven over the years that they they catch fish for me. And part of it, the the, the five-incher is a real slow rise bait, so I can twitch, 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 twitch. twitch and and the, the probably the biggest thing on a twitch bait is giving it that long pause, especially by the boat. But the guys will see the boatside rise, and that that is money. And you you know so. That's where that five-incher comes in all really, the It's a real slow rise. Uh, six-incher, same thing. I like in that cold water, that the original six-inch minnow, it, it has a more subtle wobble to it. You don't have that real high vibration when you twitch it. And sometimes in this cold water, those fish really seem to like that. I think sometimes too much vibration, you know, it's almost like a thing of less is more here where... You know, kind of tone down your presentation, slow it down, and, and tone it down, and twitch a little bit slower, and and um, that that can be key in in cold cold uh, fishing situations in the spring.
0: All right, Bill. So you know you're talking the five incher and the six incher. So obviously you're subscribed to the small bait theory in in early season for you know southern Wisconsin.
2: Um. Yes and no, because then my next step. <laughs> The next thing I want to talk about is, I like the small stuff early, but it's it's amazing how fast these fish wean off these small baits uh, early in the year. And part of it is, I think if these fish are right in the spawn, then you almost need a shock bait presentation. Um, and what I mean by that is something with a really, you know, I just talked uh, you know, before about a real subtle approach and a subtle, a subtle presentation where one, a lot of times when these fish are spawning, the only way you can get them to bite, they're not biting, they're not eating because they're hungry. It, it's a reaction strike. And that's where I like a shock bait, something a little louder, a little more aggressive. Our our new six-inch fatty really covers that bill because it's a really aggressive wobble and it's got a nice, loud rattle in it. So it's it's kind of an aggressive bait. Or I go to an 8- and a 10-inch bait. A lot of times I'm, I'm fishing so shallow, it's hard to throw a big bait because they just generally run a little bit deeper. So you might have to I put a little bit longer pause. But there's times early in the year, you know, when I'm just not getting these fish to look at small baits, I, I found out instantly just go to a big bait and it's a get it's the it's shock bill. Get these fish to react to a bigger bait profile or something a little more loud and aggressive.
0: You know, so one thing, Bill, we talk about a lot on this podcast is patterning. So let's just say opening morning, you're out there, you're, you're uh, on the water for a couple hours, you're throwing five inches and six inches. How long do you suppose you'll keep that up if you don't see or catch anything before you'd switch over to a 10 inch? Or would you potentially have, you know, two people in the boat and one's throwing a 10 inch and one's throwing a six inch right off the bat?
2: No, I'll start small. I'm, I'm sure I'll generally in early you know, Saturday I'll start with uh somebody's going to be throwing one of the minnow baits, a five or six inch middle bait, and then someone's going to throw a glide bait, and and it just seems like, and we'll go from there. And it, it seems on Pewaukee, I see it's it's like they either want one or they want another. The other, it's like very seldom will I get oh we we caught one on a glide bait and one on a minnow bait. It's like they either want all middle baits or all glide baits, and and. and Sometimes on Saturday, they want all minnow baits, and Sunday, they want all glide baits. So so I don't spend a lot of time with the same baiter early in the year. I might, you know, or any time, really, until I get a pattern figured out. But until I start seeing some fish, no, I'm, I'm switching every 15 minutes So I can figure something out, whether I'm going to try to stay shallow and, or, or do I need to move deep. And, you know, I'll give, it a, I'll give shallow water quite a bit of time but i'm I gotta keep in my head that if they're not here, I gotta move on you know and and uh you know that that's bit me too many times where I've well they've gotta be in three feet of water, so this is where we're gonna fish all day, and then you know by the end of the day we did nothing, so this time of the year until you can get something figured out or any time of the year if you're going on to a new body of water or you're going to your Canadian vacation and you get up there on day one, you gotta. You got to move around and try different things till till you figure something out.
0: What I find is amazing is you're like, oh, one day they'll prefer glide baits, and the next day they might prefer this. It's amazing. Sometimes we catch these fish at all, like if they're like how finicky they can be.
2: But what what always drives me nuts is nobody's doing nothing. You know, in Pewaukee, you get a pretty good crowd out there. Anybody who's fished it, or you know, a lot of lakes, a lot of lakes nowadays. It's because the population of of musky fishing. But it's crazy how you look around and nobody's doing nothing. Nobody's doing nothing. And then all of a sudden, you get one and you scoop it up and you look up and you got another guy scooping a fish up. Or then you got another guy, you know, holding a fish for a pitcher. And it's like these fish do nothing, 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 nothing. And then they just all want to eat at one time. That that's that's what drives me nuts. If, if a guy could figure that out, boy, he'd be rich. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. It'd be amazing if you could if you could get that secret sauce. But obviously, that's not the case. So that's why you know time on the water is such a big factor of, of musky fishing. You know, simply just being on the water for as long a period of time as you can be will simply put the odds in your favor. You know, because if you're you know if that window opened up after you just put the boat on the trailer, I mean that's it.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's you know it's probably happened more times than you than you realize. And you know for whatever reason I've got to get off the water to get back in the shop or do whatever and you talk to a buddy and yeah yeah 10 o'clock you you know you left about nine and about 10 o'clock they went bonkers and it's like you know yeah it sucks but you know it is what it is but yeah it, it's just it's funny these this, these feeding windows how, how and i see that all year long especially in the fall the fall it's really crazy but uh, any time of the year it seems like these feeding windows when they go they just go and then they just stop. And it's like, what, what is causing that? That's, that's, what's crazy. And why they, why they go after one style of bait or another style of bait, you know, daily or throughout the, you know, every other day or whatever. It just, you know, is it just in my head where this is what I'm throwing? Um, you know, I get pretty stubborn at times and is that the case or is it just, that's what they're really doing. You know, I've talked to guys and said the same thing that, yeah, everything we moved today was on glide baits, and the next day, everything we moved today was on, on twitch baits, and yeah, same here, you know, it's just, why that is, it's hard to explain.
0: Right. That's funny, you say you get, you know, kind of stuck in your ways, or hard-headed, or stubborn, or whatever, and I think we all kind of have that tendency a little bit. I know that you throw a ton of your stuff, obviously, and you and you believe it, and it works, you know, I can't argue with success, you've caught uh, tons of fish, I mean, you, you know, I don't know how many, how many mornings I'll wake up and... You know, there'll be a picture on my phone that you got another one that morning. So, I mean, it's like, it's not like uh, you're throwing them without the success, but I think that's kind of how we all are a little bit. Sometimes we get stuck, you know, doing things that worked one year or worked in the past. And, you know, maybe we get we, we need to change that up a little bit and get out of a, a little bit of a rut that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm you know, I, I, like I said earlier, I'm really big on a basic color guy. I, I like my perch. I like my wall. I like my sucker. But like I said, a lot of the colors now. I and that's where I'm trying to break out is is the color stuff because like I said all these colors I do for you. I I try different stuff and and here and there and and um so I'm I'm trying to break out of my shell, but it's it's a it's a tough habit to break. Right, you get your confidence base and it's it's hard to you know it's hard to take them off.
0: Yeah, be like me with a you know a 10 inch weighted suick in the fall. I use them all the time. I mean I love them. It's either that or a mag bulldog. I mean it's like. I bring a bunch of baits to the lake expecting to use them in different situations. And I still go back to the same ones and, yeah, you know, some days it works, other days it doesn't, but maybe if I would have gotten out of my rut that day, or maybe gotten out of my comfort zone that day, who knows, maybe I would have put a fish in the net.
2: Yeah. It just, you know, that's what, that's what make, keeps you going, right. To try to figure out something new, but yeah. Yeah. As like I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to opening day. It's uh, been a long winter and we'll see how it goes. I think, I think, you know, This cold weather shouldn't help, but you watch; these guys are gonna these fish will go bonkers on Saturday. So, you know, it's why we keep going back. And, um, you know, you know, I said the main thing I like in the spring is warm. Get get these fish done with their spawning, and then let them. You know, usually it's a couple weeks where it's just it can be a real grind out there because their fish are recovering from spawning, and that that time of the year when it when it's that post spawn and they're in the recuperating stage that time of the year it's it's all big stuff for me. Uh, the little stuff doesn't even isn't even the boat anymore and usually that's by mid May generally speaking, I don't like using the calendar for when I start going to big stuff because the fish don't know what day it is, but when that water starts getting in the the mid to upper fifties low sixties that's that's when i i I'm all throwing big stuff uh eights and tens and um mag dogs like you said it, it seems like you got to have a shock value to get these fish to trigger to eat and then then after that it, it goes back to normal with uh you know the fish are recovered from spawning and now their main goal is 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 food and feed you know their daily feeding or how often they, they eat and and then just about everything works you know whether you're throwing a bucktail or a rubber or still stick with the twitch baits i
0: so, let me ask you, bill, you know you talked about deep water slightly. you touched on it for just a second. Is trolling something that you actually would consider employing over we'll say the first week of the season?
2: if i the first week of the season i'm gonna if I'm trolling, I'll normally be trolling weed flats okay. um, just the larger shelves. I don't really troll open water stuff until these fish are done spawning once they're done spawning, a lot of times these fish will go out and suspend over deep water but generally like you know the first week or so of the season with this water temperature where we're at now any trolling that i will do is is going to be shallow shallow weed stuff adjacent
1: like i said earlier about how the
2: as the spawning season goes on and you get into the post spawn the the area that i'll fish adjacent to the spawning areas will get bigger and bigger and bigger and that that's kind of when i'm um doing some short line trolling stuff. Sure.
0: You know, I got to ask you then, we hear about it and I've talked about it on this podcast a lot. Out east, they use speed a lot, early season, short line, that kind of stuff. Is that something you've ever tried down there?
2: Yeah, yeah. I Once again, I'm a believer with trolling speed. Uh, two things dictate trolling speed. The, your lure choice, not all baits will run six, seven miles an hour. And uh, then what the fish want, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, if I'm like, a, we go back to the shock value uh, Then I want something that's going to go a little, you know, I might go pick up the pace and, and get into that. For me, speed in a spring would be four and a half uh, for, you know, that's about as fast as I would go in a spring, but generally I'm around at three, three, two, depending, you know, depending upon conditions on whether the water is getting warmer. As the water warms up, I might pick up the speed. Uh not not that oh the water water's warm so I gotta go fast, but if the water is warm these fish might be active so I'm gonna try to look for a reaction strike. So I want something zipping by their head a little bit faster this time of the year. So yeah, I play around you know, generally I'm 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 playing around with the speed throughout the day, trying to figure something out until I can get something, you know, go back to the until we can get a pattern we gotta keep trying different things.
0: Right. Yep, for sure, exactly. Patterning is the hard part. I mean, it, uh, obviously, if we, if it was easy, we'd, we'd all be catching muskies every time we were out. Um. So no. Okay. all right, so we moved past post-spawn. You kind of touched on a little bit. You kind of touched that you're going to be uh, jumping up to bigger baits, which I find to be, you know, I guess outside the norm, Bill. I mean, you hear about Pewaukee all the time. I mean, we're talking sp- more specifically about Pewaukee, but I guess we could also jump to one other thing. Do you jump around lakes at all too?
2: Well, you know, I'm, I'm five minutes from the Pewaukee boat launch on so that's generally my bread and butter Lake, but I'll go up to Okachi, you know, I haven't fished Oconomowoc in, in probably 10, 12 years in uh, but that, but primarily down here, the two lakes that I fish are Pewaukee and Okachi.
0: You ever go make a drive over to Madison?
2: You know, it's on the bucket list every, <laughs> every year I say I'm going to go there and, I don't. I did get down a couple times to Lake Geneva last year. That's an interesting body of water. The the Chicago area clubs are, are really doing a great job on on stocking it, and um, it's a lake I wanna. I like the clear water. Uh, it's one of these lakes I'd like to get down there and launch the boat at about ten o'clock at night and fish till you know eight o'clock in the morning. I think that would be. Something kind of interesting down there because of the, you know, it's got a lot of bait, just a ton of forage out there. And, and, um, you know, with the clear water and the the boating traffic it gets from being such a popular lake, uh, not just fishing-wise, but, you know, boat traffic is crazy out there. And I, I just, I think the nighttime bite in, you know, June, July would be, could be really good.
0: Right. I always assume that if you went and took your, your similar tactics that you employ on Pewaukee over to the Madison area I, I figure you'd have tremendous success over there early season as well I bet you they they set up similarly
2: I, you know I would think so it, it's you know you, you compare the Madison chain of lakes maybe not Mendota but the like Monona and um, Wabisa it, it's a very similar forage base to Pewaukee you know the, the, the key in that post-spawn and recovering stage, then then we go, then I, I look at what are these fish eating. I, I'm not worried about bait fish so much on Saturday. You know, these fish aren't in the feeding mode, but when you get into that mid to upper 60 to 70 degree water temperature, now these fish have recuperated from spawning and their their main goal is food. And you look at the two bodies of water; is you know they're very similar in what these fish are eating—bluegills, little walleyes. You know, one one thing I got to say about Pewaukee—I think the best thing that happened to Pewaukee in the last ten years is the Walleys for Tomorrow chapter on on Pewaukee. These guys are they're putting in, um, you know, two million walleye fry a year in Pewaukee. And so what what that's doing is. Every size fish in Pewaukee Lake has something to eat. You know, the 14-inchers the that are, are in there this spring that will be getting stocked or from last fall, now they're 15, 16. You know, now you're putting 2 million walleye fry or, or you know, one-inch long walleye, well, now these little muskie have something to eat. And, and as these little walleye grow, so do the muskies. And it's like every size fish, it's a perfect balance of forage to the bait the fish, the you know predator fish, every size fish in Pewaukee has a food source. And it's something I'm concerned about on Okachi Lake. You know, everybody says, well Okachi's got Cisco's and I go, well yeah, but that's that's great for a 36 incher but or a 32 incher, but they gotta get there. And you know, we're doing a lot of the clubs down here are doing a lot of spring stockings, which is great. The survival rate is outstanding compared to a fall stocking on the muskies. But I just question on Okachi, um, what are these 14-, 15-, and 16-inch muskies eating? You know, is there enough forage for these little fish? Or are they just starving to death and then getting eaten by a bigger fish? You know, so that that's that's one huge thing I see on, on Pewaukee is when they introduced that, you know, the guys got together and started their walleyes for Tomorrow Club, and it's something our company... Helps them out with donations and stuff like that. Not because I, I want to see a great walleye fishery out there. I want to see a great forage base out there. So <laughs> I, I'm kind of helping the walleyes for tomorrow out, so they they um, you know, keep stocking in food for my muskies, right? And <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, well, we'll edit that out, Bill. No, I'm just kidding. But yes, muskies don't yeah. remember muskies
2: don't eat walleyes. Oh yeah, that's right. Well. They eat something anything that swims. But yeah. so like I said so that that's that's where you know, you get a perfect balance on, on Peewalk. And I kinda of got off track here a little bit. And I and I see that a lot with with the Madison chain. There's there's a, a great bunch of clubs out there that are stocking that with every species of fish. So every fish there has something, you know, a size fish has something to eat. So I would love to get up there in the spring and try that. And you know, every year I see you no know, fishing now that I'm retired and just doing the fishing lures. Um, it's like, boy, I got, I got some time on my hand and I, I just never go, you know, it's just so simple for me to go to Pewaukee and fish and I, you know, that's my comfort zone there and I got to break out of that someday and get up there and try that.
0: Slightly off topic, but you talked about the, um, you know, the walleyes for tomorrow. How is the walleye fishing on Pewaukee?
2: Um, good and bad. It's challenging because there's 18 inch size limit. And for the last five, six years, you know, we're catching 15, 16 inchers like crazy and every year you say boy next year it's going to be great we're going to get all 18 inchers and and you, it's the same thing you're, you're getting just a ton of of uh you know 14 15 16 inch walleyes and but it's it, it's a good you know i i guess they get a ton of them and even the small ones but there's a good ice fishing bite guys are catching a lot of walleyes ice fishing i see pictures of and I think the problem with the walleyes is as soon as they get 18, they get kept. And I'm guilty of that because I caught a couple muskie musky fishing that were, you know, 19, 20 inches. And, and we just call the lake of the legal ones. But it's got, and it's got a great walleye fishery. It's got a great bass fishery. You know, it's a good balance of everything. Um, panfish. Once you start stocking all these walleyes in there, they're, you know, when my youngest son, when, you know, when he was little, we'd... We'd take them out, we'd go out bluegill fishing, and we just fish these pods of bait o- over deep water, and we'd just catch all these three, four inch bluegills, five inch bluegills. And if you got a six, seven incher, that was like, holy cow, that was unbelievable. And by putting all these walleye in there, it took care of all that stunted bait. And now the bluegills, last year I had a 10 and a quarter inch bluegill, and an, an eight incher is a normal bluegill in a pumpkin seed out there. We got some really quality. Pan fishing out there, some big crappies, and you know. So, like I said, it it, it seems like it's it's a good balance of, of fishery out there.
0: That's amazing that you can have that quality of fishery, bait, you know, in such a big metro area because of how much pressure it gets. You know, if it was a uh You know, a secluded lake up north. It'd be. I mean, obviously, it would be eventually get hit. You know, hit because people would would uh, make it a destination, but they wouldn't be able to hit it for you know five minutes after where you know they get done done with work. Five minutes later, uh, they're on the water. You wouldn't have that option up there, and you know, like it just blows me away how good how good it could be or how much better it could be if it wasn't so close to the metro area.
2: Well, keep in mind. I mean, the, the 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 fishing clubs, whether it be. Um, Wisconsin Musklands Club or Muskie Inc. or Okachi Fishing Club, and they're really you know it's it's there's a lot going into Pewaukee, and the DNR knows that it get it gets the pressure it gets. It's just been crazy, and so you know so stockings are what's saving us. It's a put you know it's definitely a you know if we didn't have stockings, so you look at if you compare compare Pewaukee Lake to say Pelican Lake or you know, up in in um, Oneida County, Pelican Lake doesn't get the stocking and no. the the individual attention that Pewaukee's getting. But you know, Pelican doesn't get the it gets fishing pressure, but not not like these lakes down here. No. And so, I think the DNR knows that, so they they really stock a lot a lot more fish down here um, compared to you know there might be a thousand muskies stocked in Vilas County lakes this spring where. A 1,000 muskies are going to go in Pewaukee, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and I, I, I would love to see the, I don't know if there's a good, like with the walleyes. you know, a lot of guys say there should be a slot size, you know, where I fish up in Canada, the walleyes have a, a slot size on them. And I don't know if that would work on a high-pressured lake like Pewaukee. Would, it, would you just call, let's say, the slot size would be, I don't know, 15 to 20 has to go back. Are you just going to keep every 14-incher and they're never going to get to that slot size? You know, So I, you know, because of the fishing pressure, it works up in Canada because there's, there's not as much, there's a lot more water and there's not so much fishing pressure, not as much fishing pressure. So I don't, I don't really have the right answer, you know, on um, um, would that work on Pewaukee to try to improve the walleye fishery. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say.
0: Sure. All right, Bill, before I let you get back to making uh, slammer minnows for the uh, you know, for anglers looking to get out early this season, what's uh what's a tip you can offer up? What's something you can what's something they can take to the bank and, and hopefully try to catch more fish on this weekend?
2: Slow, slow and steady wins a race. Um, with this cold weather. I I'm gonna start for me. I'm gonna be long pauses in between twitches and not so much snapping, but more of a pull stop. Start, stop, start type thing. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be, you know, normally when I, when I twitch a middle bait, I'm just super, I like a, I like a real heavy rod, no stretch line. And I'm snapping the heck out of it. And with the cold, I'll probably be slowing down. And I I think that's where I'm going to start. Now, Jeff, you and I will probably talk next week, Monday and I'll say, boy, was I wrong? Holy cow. they wanted everything fast, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I'm, I'm slow it down, you know, with this cold weather. Slow your presentation down, for starters.
0: You know, it's funny, Bill, not to keep you longer, but make one general comment is two weeks ago when we had that 80 degree weather, I was like, all right, this is going to be perfect for the opener. Like things are going to set up great. Fish will be post-spawn. Guys will be catching muskies. And it, you know, Mother Nature obviously is always throwing curveballs. That's the ultimate dictator of fish behavior. And uh, she's going to win again. She's undefeated. But, you know, it's just one of those things to show you how much things can change within the course of two weeks.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, when we had that eighty degree stretch here I thought, holy cow, this this'll be great, you know, and, and it's gonna these fish are gonna be all spawned, recover from spawning and, and we'll we'll go into a, a a really good spring and now it's like, Okay, you gotta start scratching your head and seeing what they want and like I said, that's so to me I'm definitely gonna be slowing stuff down. Absolutely. Well, Bill,
0: I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk about early season muskie fishing with us, and I want to thank our listeners for coming out and listening to the episode, and we'll have a new one for you again next Wednesday.
2: All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, Bill.